I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 16 this morning. And looking throughout the Gospels, as we focus exclusively this morning on the Easter story, on the day of resurrection. And we're going to see how, it, how that day, so many years ago, affects us today and see the hope that came in the day of the resurrection and the hope that it could bring to you and I. I know that right now, you might be at your kitchen table, you might be at your couch, might be watching this on, on your television or on your computer, and, and we look around our, our world and, and feel that we're so isolated right now, and it can be a world of hopelessness. I want you to know that there is hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that hope hasn't changed that hope was there thousands of years ago. It's there today. It'll be there in thousands of years from now. Your grandchildren will still have the same hope in Jesus that you have now. Isn't that amazing? That it doesn't matter what happens in our world. The gospel does not stop. The gospel does not change. The hope never goes away. You have hope in Jesus. Let's take a look at the resurrection story, shall we? Come with me to the book of Mark. We are in chapter 16. We're going to start this morning in verse number 1. Out of the New Living Translation, it reads like this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as at sunrise... They went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? We're going to move quickly to the Gospel of Matthew, and in chapter 28, we pick up the story there in verse number 2. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell to the ground like dead men. They fell into a dead faint. That's what happened the very first morning, on Easter morning, when the women came to the tomb, and I want you to see this, point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, you can see, you can find our sermon notes online at our website at parisvalleycc.com. Come about halfway under, halfway down the page, right under the live feed, and you'll find it says sermon notes, and you can print those out, and you can uh, follow along with this. Point number one in your notes this morning is this. Fear cannot stop the hope of the resurrection of Jesus. That morning there was so much fear at the tomb. The women were afraid. They had actually just survived their second earthquake in three days. Now, to them, earthquakes were not as common as they are maybe to us in Southern California. I promise you that when they were there at the tomb and, and they felt the earth shake, no one went to their phone, went to Facebook to say, hey, did you feel that? Right? I mean, this just wasn't what happened back then. An earthquake would have brought a tremendous amount of fear. And then you have, and then you have 
the guards who also were shaking in fear and they fall to the ground like dead men. Now these guards, these Roman soldiers would have been there at the tomb. Their job was just to guard the tomb. And you think about who is, who are the people in our world who we would look at and say they are fearless, who are going to stand up to almost anything. We would think, and, and, and we pride ourselves on our military having no fear. These are military men. They're in armor. And when the angel comes, and when there's a massive earthquake, they fall to the ground like dead men. They faint. That didn't stop the resurrection of Jesus. Fear will not stop the spread of the gospel. Psychologists will tell us that in the human mind, the human mind does some very strange things. There's some amazing things that the human mind does, but when the mind is overcome with fear, there are a couple of different things. There's a couple of different actions, maybe two different actions that we see that the human mind will, will go into fight or flight, right? Some people, when they are so afraid, when they're stricken with fear, they'll, they'll, they'll put up their dukes, right? And, and, they, and they will fight their way through this situation. Some, though, will turn and run. That's flight. They, they will leave the area. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes we'll, we'll call somebody a chicken or a, or a coward for, for running or, or for falling into this category of flight to get away from whatever it is that, that they are fearing at that moment. But if you think about that first Easter morning, if you think about the things that brought Fear to the women and to the guards. There are things that, that you can't fight against an earthquake. You can't really flight. You can't leave. You can't get away from it soon enough. And you cannot fight or flight against an angel of the Lord. I think it is so amazing, and, and I think that we can be so thankful that God sent an angel to the tomb to roll back this stone because no one, no human is going to fight and overcome an angel of the Lord. I want you to see what God says through the prophet Isaiah to his people about fear. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10, he says this, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That's God talking to his people about fear. Now watch what David says to God about fear. We're going to come to a very popular verse. You know this in Psalm 23, verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm so thankful, and I hope this morning that you are thankful that our God is bigger than our fear. See, what 
what happens when you and I are, are fearful, sometimes we stop doing the things that we are directed to do. Sometimes we stop going to work. And in, in our current situation where we're, where we're under quarantine, there is a fear. And we can stop going places. Maybe we stop working. We stop going to work. Maybe we stop going to the grocery store because we are fearful. And maybe some have stopped even evangelizing, have stopped telling others about Jesus because of the fear that's going on in our world right now. But one of the greatest takeaways from that first Easter morning is this. It's that fear could not stop Jesus from being raised from the dead. Fear could not stop the very first Easter. It could not stop the resurrection. God rose Jesus from the dead and fear could not stop it. I know there's a good chance that there is fear in your life right now. Maybe you're fearful fearful from maybe somebody in your life has tested positive for coronavirus and that's fearful. Maybe you're fearful that your kids are are home right now and you have to try and educate them the best that you can because they're not going to go back to school for a while. Maybe you're fearful about your husband who is going to work or your wife who is going to work. You're fearful that they're going to, to bring the virus home. Maybe you're fearful about finance. You're fearful in, uh, about when is the stimulus check going to come. Maybe today you're fearful because you just simply don't know. But I want you to know this. That fear on the very first Easter did not stop the resurrection. And fear this morning will not stop our celebration of our risen Lord and Savior. Amen? I want you to click right down there on that heart. Find that circle that, with the heart on it. Click right there or thumbs up. Click that. It cannot stop our celebration of our risen Lord and Savior. It might stop you from going to the grocery store. Fear might stop you from, from going to the post office. It might stop you from going to the park. But fear this Easter will not stop not only our celebration of Easter, but fear will not stop a single soul from being saved when somebody believes in Jesus Christ. It will not stop. It didn't stop the first Easter. It won't stop today. It won't stop next week. It won't stop our celebration a year from now. It will not stop Easter. And it won't stop the saving power of Jesus. I want you to follow me back to Mark. We're in chapter 16. We're going to continue in verse number 5. Mark writes this. And he says this, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The, whim, the women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. 
The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Again, we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 28, or in verse number 11. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called. And they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping and they stole the body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so that you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and they said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews and they still tell it today. We talked about it last Sunday on Palm Sunday, how important it was for the Jewish leaders and the religious leaders to hold on to power. See, if the story of Jesus, if the story of the resurrection got out, and that Jesus was actually the Messiah that he claimed to be, then their entire world, their entire faith structure now has come to an end because the Jews are waiting for the Messiah. The leaders have a lot of bitterness against Jesus. They had a lot of bitterness during his ministry. And just a few days ago, during Passion Week, they arrested him. They put him under court uh, court order. They, they, They had some makeshift trials. And they crucified him. Point number two in your notes is this. Callous hearts can, could not stop the hope of the resurrection. The guards that day. The guards' job was to guard a tomb and make sure that the disciples or nobody comes to take the body out of this tomb. Now, if you think about it, how easy a job is that? These are Roman soldiers. They're trained in battle, and they are given a job to stand outside of a tomb and make sure that nobody comes out of that tomb. What if you had a job? We want you to stay here over this tomb, over this. Your job is at at the, the cemetery and make sure that nobody comes out of that grave. Pretty easy job, right? The guards, they're sitting around. And they're watching. They're to protect this tomb. The worst case scenario of this job is that Jesus' disciples are going to show up. And maybe they're going to fight and try and take the, the body. These are Roman soldiers. They're so going to be able to pull out their swords and and they can take these men. But see, they can't overpower an angel of the Lord. They go running after they have fainted. The fear, they are on the ground after they kind of shake and they wake up. and, And I can imagine that by this time, they see that, The stone is rolled away. They look inside the tomb. They go inside. They say, Jesus is gone. There's the linen right there. What are we going to do? We need to go to town. We need to go and tell people. We need to tell the elders. We need to tell the people who sent us out here to guard this tomb. Hey, something is up. Um, 
we need to come up with a story. See, there's a lot of calloused hearts who tried to stop the story and the hope of the resurrection, and it didn't happen. There was a little boy in school, about second grade, came to school on the first day of class, already knew that he didn't like his teacher, already knew that he didn't like his classmates, already knew that he was going to do everything that he could to disrupt class. First day, just start talking a lot to, to kids who were next to him. Second day, continues to talk. Third day, maybe, maybe uh, uh, wads up paper and starts throwing it across the classroom, some paper airplanes. While the teacher is trying to teach, this student is trying to bring all the attention to himself. I don't know, if you're a teacher, if you know a teacher, you know what kid I'm talking about, right? Just that kid that is a continual disruption because he has a heart that is calloused against being where he is. He wants to do everything he can to keep others from learning. He wants to do everything that he can to disrupt the teacher from teaching. He wants all of the attention on himself and no attention on the instructions of the class. See, that is, is the heart of those in power at that time. These calloused hearts wanted to make sure that the word of Jesus, the resurrection story, would not get out. And these are people who are in charge. These are people who are leaders who are making up a story now. And are saying, look, guards, we're going to pay you big money to go out and spread this story and tell people that the disciples came and stole the body. And let's make that, let's make that the story that everyone knows about. To this day, thousands of years later, we don't even tell the story about the guards getting a bribe. You know what story we tell? The story of hope. The story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That story has overpowered the bribe. That story overpowers everything. Today, we turn on the news and we're told that churches can't meet. We legally cannot meet Today. That's why we're meeting like this on Easter Sunday. We're coming together to celebrate our risen Savior online because we can't meet in person. We will soon, but we can't right now. And I don't want you to, to look at, I'm not saying that, those, that there's calloused hearts right now in the government who are shutting us down. That's not happening. There's people who are keeping us safe right now. But I want you to know this. Churches can't meet in person. There's some counties that won't allow us to even do a drive-through church service, and some that, that won't let us even uh, come together in parking lots and hold church service. But nothing ever has stopped the hope of the resurrection, and nothing will ever stop the hope of the resurrection. 
calloused hearts, people who want to change the story of our risen Savior will never change the story. They can never take away the hope of the cross, the hope of our salvation that we have in Jesus. It will never stop. There's been so many events over the centuries that have tried to stop the Easter story and tried to stop the hope, and it hasn't happened yet. Right now, it's not people who are trying to stop it. It's not. No one is trying to stop it. There is a virus in our world right now. What it's stopping is us congregating but it's not stopping the message of Jesus. I want you to know something. As pastors try and and come together and learn this new world of virtual preaching, a virtual church, let me tell you something that we're finding. We're finding a lot of people that, that will see this video and see other churches' videos worldwide. But do you know that searches about faith are up right now? Of course, people are going online looking for information about the coronavirus, but people are going online looking for faith. They're looking for hope. Jesus cannot be stopped. The hope of our Easter story, the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the fact that he was raised from the dead cannot be stopped. There is hope. In Jesus, I want you to see what the Gospel of John writes. We're going to be in John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to John chapter 20, and let's continue on reading and seeing what the Gospels say about this morning, okay? John chapter 20, we're in verse number 3. The Bible says this, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Now, when it talks about the other disciple, it's assumed that this other disciple is John. Okay, doesn't mention himself by name. Let's come back. We're in verse number four. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that was covering Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Watch this in verse number 9. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Here's the point that we're going to find in verse number 9. It's going to be point number 3 in your notes this morning. A lack of full, a full understanding of biblical truth could not stop the resurrection. A lack of full understanding of biblical truth could not stop the resurrection. Verse 9 tells us, That the disciples who came there that morning, and think about, we had just talked about the women who had been there that morning, and we talked about the guards who had been at the tomb that morning. They didn't fully understand what Jesus had already told them. He had already said that he was going to rise from the dead. They didn't fully understand 
until they had seen the empty tomb. They didn't fully understand his prophecies. They didn't fully understand all of the the parables that he had told until they had seen the empty tomb. But see, even that lack of full, deep biblical understanding, that, that full knowledge of Christ couldn't stop the resurrection. I want you to see what Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 2. Writes this, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. See, just because we don't fully understand how the resurrection happened, doesn't stop the resurrection from happening. Just because we don't fully understand everything that God can do doesn't mean that God can't do it. If we were limited by our minds to understand what God can do, we would limit what God can do. He can do so much more than we can ever imagine. Like raise his son from the dead to save you and I. I hope that that you can see the power of God is so much more than the power of man. That Sunday morning, the best man could do was come up with a lie, come up with a story to cover up what happened. There's no one there that morning that knew exactly what happened and how it happened, but that didn't stop it from happening. There's so much that Jesus could do for us. There's so much hope that he can bring into your life. But we can't explain it. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. See, that's what faith is. That's what hope is. It's understanding that God is so much bigger than us. That God can do so much more than we can. That you at your best, you at your strongest... He's weaker than God at his weakest. He can do so much more. This morning, you may be hearing the Easter story for the very first time. And I want you to know that you have hope in Jesus. Even if if, if you've lived through 50 Easter's, and this is the very first time that you're hearing the Easter story, the hope is still there. The salvation that Jesus brings to you, the atonement for your sins is still there for you. Jesus died for you. Even his disciples, the men who were closest to him through his entire ministry, show up. And the Bible tells us that until then, they didn't understand until they saw the empty tomb. Would it be fair to say that there's some people who 
may hear about Jesus the very first time. Somebody that, that you know you've shared the gospel with them. They don't know everything that the Bible says. And that's understandable. But there's still hope. Jesus doesn't save only those who have deep biblical knowledge. He saves everyone who will cry out to him. Cry out. He saves us all. I want you to see what Matthew says here. Now we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16. Then the eleven disciples, there's eleven. I know that you've heard there's twelve disciples. One of them, Judas, is no longer with the disciples. Okay, so there's eleven right now. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the, of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Jesus went ahead of them, and when the disciples saw him for the very first time, the Bible says they worshipped him, and some of them doubted. Here's the final point in your notes this morning. Doubt cannot stop the spread of the gospel. Doubt did not stop the spread of the gospel at the very first moment that they see Jesus for the first time, and it can't stop the spread of the gospel now. Some people can be sitting at home today saying, well, you know, are people going to hear the good news of Jesus on Easter this year? I doubt it. Yes, they are. Absolutely, they're going to hear the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. Doubt cannot stop the spread of the gospel. In John chapter 20, we read this. Then he, Jesus, said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. And put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. See, Thomas has this nickname. And I doubt if Thomas was here today, he would be very thankful that he was given this nickname, but we call him Doubting Thomas. Because the other disciples who had already seen Jesus at a time that Thomas wasn't there, they said, well, I, I, we've seen Jesus. And he's like, yeah, I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe you. So Jesus appears to Thomas and he says, put your fingers here and look at my hands. This morning, I want you to realize that you can put your fingers here and look at the hands of Jesus. He died for you. He says, Thomas, he says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe in me 
even without seeing me. That's you and that's me. He said, blessed are us in 2020. Blessed are us for believing in Jesus without physically being able to see him. Blessed are you. Happy are you. Blessings on you. I want you to see what Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. We're in chapter 15. And we're going to be throughout this chapter. Paul says this. He says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. He was seen by Peter and by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the dead, but that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone who dies, because we, will all, be we all belong to Adam, everyone now belongs to Christ, who belongs to Christ, will be given new life. If you belong to Jesus, you are given new life because Christ was raised from the dead. See, all of us in Christ have hope. I want to finally read you one more scripture. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. This morning, I want you to know this, that the Easter story, that morning that Mary and Mary went to the tomb, and that Peter and John went to the tomb, there was so much fear that morning. First, there was sadness because Jesus had died. This is a man they had followed for years. And they didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They didn't go to the tomb that morning expecting an angel to come and roll away that stone. But just because they didn't expect it doesn't mean that God didn't make it happen. It happened, and they didn't have to expect it. They didn't have to know it. But it happened because God can do that. That morning, when they went into a tomb, they didn't expect to see it empty. But they did expect it, or they did see it empty because God can do that. 
That morning, when they were told to leave and go and tell the disciples, they didn't expect to have now a mission to tell the disciples that that Jesus is alive. They didn't expect that, but they did that because God can do that. They didn't expect to be walking away from the tomb that morning with hope, but they walked away with hope because God can do that. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, because God can do that. This morning, you have hope because God can do that. This morning, we are spreading the good news of Jesus through a broadcast right now. I am staring at an iPhone that is recording, that is sending a signal up into space to a satellite, beaming it back to your computer to spread the good news because God can do that. See, if it was up to man, the story of the resurrection would have been replaced with the story of a lie on that Easter morning because some guards were bribed. Imagine if man was more powerful than God. We would know nothing about the resurrection. You know what we would think? If man was more powerful than God, we would be coming together talking about the fact that disciples stole the body. You know why we're not telling that story? You know why we're telling the story of the resurrection? is because God is more powerful than man and God's story will prevail because God can do that. There's hope in the resurrection. Paul and Peter are telling us that there's hope. If Christ did not raise from the dead, then there is no hope for you and I. We are still in our sins. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we're the ones to be most pitied. Pity me if Christ didn't raise from the dead. But he did. Because God can do that. Amen? Click that button. I want to see a bunch of hearts going up right now. God can do that. The story of the Easter story for us today, and what I want you to take away is this. Somebody in your life needs to know about the hope that comes with Jesus and his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the basis of our faith. It is a non-negotiable. If you are to be a Christian, if you are to follow Christ, you are putting your faith and your hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he did not raise from the dead, we have no faith. Then we are dead in our sins. All of the sins that you have accumulated, you have to pay for by yourself. He rose from the dead because his life and his death atoned for your sins. If he did not raise from the dead, then you are still in your sins. And we have no hope. We have no hope of spending eternity with him in heaven. 
Because the wages of sin is death. What you have earned from your sins, the paycheck for all of your sins is death. Somebody has to die. Jesus did that. He died for your sins and he died for my sins. If you and I have to die for our own sins, we're not going to make it to heaven. There is hope because Christ died for you. And while you were a sinner, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We can be so thankful for that. On Easter Sunday, we can be so thankful that our sins did not keep Christ from dying for us. He took the lashes for us because God can do that. He went to the cross for us because God can do that. He went to the tomb for us because God can do that. And he rose from the dead for us because God can do that. I'm thankful this morning that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life because God can do that. If you're with us this morning, and if you don't know that hope that comes with knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're still trying to get to heaven on your own works by being good enough, or you're relying on your family name, or if you're relying on, on maybe somebody baptized you as a child and you think that that's good enough, Ladies and gentlemen, that's not good enough. The only thing good enough is the blood of Jesus. You just have to accept that gift. It's a free gift. It's a free gift of hope. 